Well, hey, 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 everybody, and welcome to episode 73 of the Entrepreneur Now podcast. I am your host, Heath Armstrong, and I am here today so pumped up, so excited to share another episode with all of you silly little gooses out there listening, you silly little goosey goosey goose. I don't know what you're doing, I don't know where you are, but I hope that you are doing something creative and I hope that you are somewhere creative, surrounded by people who are creative because there is nothing better than creativity and what it can do for your life. Open up your mind, open up your desires, get there and fist pump! So ho 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 ho! I wanted to start today off by reading a review on iTunes from Kayla Alexis 8. Kayla left me five stars and it says, it really had me motivated and inspired. Such a great podcast. Kayla, thank you so much. Short and sweet and straight to the point. I love it. I really, really do appreciate it. Everybody who has taken the time to leave me the reviews, you are helping. We have jumped up into the top 200 on business careers and iTunes out of all the podcasts in the world. So that is pretty awesome. And I just wanted to give anybody a little incentive if they want to help me out and leave a review. If you get on iTunes and you leave me a review, email that review of what you left to artsynow, I'm sorry, to create at artsynow.com. Email it to me because they only show me your username and I don't have a way to contact you on iTunes. And anybody who does that, I want to open up a free Skype session for you. Just me and you, 20 minutes Whatever you want to talk about. I mean, anything. We can talk about your mom. We can talk about your grandfather and his pants. We can talk about how to start podcasting, what you need to do to start. I've got an incredible system I can show you, I can help you with, I can answer any questions you want. Like I said, guys, I was just like you, sitting there in that chair, wherever you are listening. I had no idea anything about how to podcast. I figured it all out, and it's really not that hard, and I would be happy to help you out. I can help you with... What you want to blog, if you want to start a blog, uh, if you want to start a website, why it's good to do that. And I can show you exactly the easiest methods to get to that point you want to be at. We can talk about anything you want, but 20 minutes, me and you, if you leave a review on iTunes, you can do that by going to uh, the podcast in iTunes or if you go to artsynow.com forward slash iTunes, it will take you right there and you can leave a review. Then email that to me again at create at artsynow.com. And I will be happy to schedule a time to talk to you. I love meeting all my listeners. If you haven't reached out before, those of you that have, we know we have done nothing but fist pump. So again, Kayla Alexis, thanks so much for leaving that review for me. And anybody else who, who wants to help me out, I really, really appreciate it. It's holding me up in the charts, bringing the excitement. And it gets me just so pumped up to bring you more and more amazing guests like the one I have on today for episode 73. All the show notes will be at artsynow.com forward slash 73. I've got Molly Knight Ford. Oh, it's such a good conversation. I mean, in depth on everything that is interesting. She is a brilliant piano player. And not only that, I mean, when I say brilliant, I mean brilliant. Actually, I'm going to go ahead and play a clip for you right now of her just dominating at this live event. I found this on Vimeo, and it starts out like all nice and slow and beautiful, and then she just goes insane, so listen up. about that she's got two amazing albums out called the art of dance and french uh, but besides the fact that she, she's a brilliant piano player i have her on because she is a serial entrepreneur uh, she is a speaker she's a writer she's the founder of the awareness school and you can get to that by going to awarenessschool.com but but a step farther than that she's into mindfulness she's into meditation and what it can do for your life she gets into everything in this interview, anywhere from why you should always take risks to her affirmations, to her habits in the morning, uh, how strong they play on 
how it's going to set out the rest of her day. We get into mindfulness and how you can use it as a tool for becoming a great musician. How meditation can really become something that that is powerful and can take you to the next level in whatever you may be doing as a musician. She talks about something called the abundance mindset, which I learned so much about and goes through a whole plethora of mindfulness techniques and games that you can play, things you can do. She, she she is just a pleasantly awesome, amazing person who has amazing influences that she talks about. And she's a teacher, I mean, through and through. I can't say anything more than I just outrageously enjoyed this interview and I fist pumped the whole way through and I hope all of you will find just as much value as me. So once again, all the show notes, artsynow.com forward slash 73 and here we go. Come on, everybody, let me hear that beat. Come on, come on, everybody, let me hear that stickity stinky rickety dickety beat. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, here we go now. to get a little bit funky out there? Who wants to get a little creative out there, huh? Yeah. Which one of you wants to get a little bit artsy now? Well, I do. I do. get on with your bad selves. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, hi-ho, everybody. Put your hands together and pump up the vibes. Whoever you are, wherever you may be, whatever you may be creating, you better turn that volume up because I've got on the lovely and magnificent Molly Knight Ford. She's a musician, a muse, a classical pianist, a meditation mentor, a motivational coach, a public speaker, a writer, and the founder of the Awareness School. So, a skidamarinkity-dinkity-dink, a skidamarinkity-doo-hoo. Molly, you are the entrepreneur now. What is going on? Wow. Thank you so much, Heath. You know, it reminds me of uh, Robin Williams in that, <laughs> in that movie, Good Morning Vietnam. And I mean, he's... I love Robin Williams for his, you know, excitement and being. And that's what it just reminded me of when you were speaking. Yeah, he's amazing. Rest in peace, brother. Total influence. I love that guy. Me too. I mean, it's just, he's like he's from outer space or something. Yeah. And it's it's hard to see how that went down, but I can't even imagine the turmoil that goes on in some people's lives. And uh, But thank you for that. It's a compliment. I like to bring the energy and fist pump. Right off the bat. Yeah. And it's fun. So you are, I, I'm so pumped that you're on the show. You're amazing. I'm not lying when I say that last night we fell asleep to listening to one of your piano albums. And, and not in a creepy way. Don't take that creepy right. way. Right. <laughs> but you, you are a musician. And you, play the, you play the classical piano, probably other types of piano as well. Uh, you, you've been influenced by music and jazz and uh, all sorts of different endeavors and I am obsessed with music myself. Live music is my thing. Love it. I can't live without it. I'm constantly going to concerts. I mean, all the time. Like, was just in Miami for a bunch of concerts over New Year's. And then you have this whole other side of mindfulness, meditation, and teaching these amazing mindfulness techniques. And you're you're writing about it now, and you're getting it out there. So I am I am truly humbled to have you on the show, Molly. So thanks for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor. Yeah, absolutely. And if you want to start, I'd love for you just to get into who you are and your background and sort of how you've gotten to where you are now and, and just kind of spill your story. Yeah, sure. I, you know, I, I grew up in the deep South and, you know, back then it was not uncommon for families to have uh, a maid or a someone who, you know, took care of the family and everything. And, um, I kind of grew up in a really dysfunctional family and I, I felt like it was a wasteland. And I was like, where, 
you know, where's the love? I know it's terrible to say, but uh, it, it was just, I felt so bad. And I got really influenced by this woman who took care of me. And, you know, she would always sing all these spirituals and, um, you know, love jazz music. And yeah. um, she was just full of music. And so I, you know, was steeped in that for so long. And I thought, wow, I, I, you know, I didn't take piano lessons for a long, long time. And when I was about 13, 12 or 13, I got in a load of trouble and they just grounded me and said, you know, you're not going anywhere. You're not doing any games, video games or watching TV or anything. You're just not doing anything. And we had a beautiful piano sitting there. And so, you know, I started to just dink around on the piano and was playing Mozart sonatas and stuff by ear because I had been listening to that too because my dad always listened to classical music like crazy and, you know, all so kinds, R&B, all kinds of stuff. You, you were just, just playing it by ear? I just started playing it by <laughs> ear because I didn't have the music. You, know? you had it's, the gift. Right, and I got kind of on lockdown, and I was like, well, what else am I going to do? And I just didn't know that I had that gift until I was really not doing anything else and said, so, well, this is what I'm doing. So my dad came home and said, this girl needs piano lessons immediately. And, um, you know, I started taking lessons, and I just found that, you know, it fulfilled some kind of void that um, I was looking for. I mean, it just, I felt like it opened my heart and I, and I was, I really have an affinity for, you know, all kinds of music, but I love the classical music because you can just expand and keep learning and I can keep playing a piece of music and have, you know, some all my life and I still discover things about it. So you know, I ended up giving my first solo piano recital when I was 16, and I had only been studying about, I guess, three and a half, four years. That's that's pretty quick. And, uh, you know, I was nervous out of my mind. I walked out on that stage, and I had done some other piano recitals, but, you know, you could hear my heel tapping on the wooden stage mm. because I was shaking with fright. You know, and I thought, oh, no, this is terrible. I don't like this feeling. But, you know, I started playing and, you know, it kind of went away and I more or less lost myself in the music. And when I was done with that thing, you know, I stood in front of this audience and they were just applauding and applauding. And I felt such a sense of accomplishment that, you know, it's really difficult to play this kind of music. And I just thought, wow, if I can do this at 16, I should go into music. And so... Um, you know, my parents talked to me about, yeah, you can't make much money doing that. And I was like, you know, where has the support been all my life? I don't care what you guys are saying. I'm going to do what I love. And I think that was, you know, a, a really important turning point. And, you know, I went to the Cincinnati Conservatory for four years. And my teacher uh, ended up moving out to Seattle and took his whole studio with him. And uh, so... I ended up in Seattle, got my uh, bachelor's degree, uh, actually two of them, and in finishing that bachelor's degree, I, I decided to stay there and go into a master's, and I did a, had a lot of credits to, to fill up, so I started taking some modern dance, and I found that, you know, I loved dance, um, and I just realized, you know, I've just, I love to read, I love to write. I love dance. I love music. I was just like, I love the arts. I just can't get enough of that. And so I finished up my degrees there at University of Washington, uh, two degrees and a master's. And then I went on to Paris. And I lived in Paris for, you know, eight years. I was not expecting to do that. I went over there to do a graduate degree in piano performance. And uh, while I was there, you know, things started getting pretty high level, really competitive, really, you know, almost kind of the killjoy of being a musician is when you get into that highly competitive environment and doing competitions and, uh, you know, you're in with the best of the best. And I, you know, I just felt like and I'm a nervous wreck. I am full of anxiety. When I go out to perform, I'm getting more and more nervous. Am I good enough? Oh, my God. You know, am I... Uh, are people going to think I'm this high-level pianist? And it was just so different on the inside than what it was on the outside appearance of this, 
you know, high-level pianist. So a friend of a friend's dad, a friend of a friend told me that his dad was uh, teaching yoga at this sort of Zen dojo, and it was pretty near my apartment in the Bastille in Paris. And so I walk in there, and my gosh, my world, you know, opened up to meditation, yoga, and um, all this Zen practice. And they had a living Zen dojo where people stayed there and, or could come there on a daily basis and then go out and live their regular life. So that's what I started doing. Wow. And that was my introduction to a real meditation practice. So, you know, we would sit in the morning. I would go down there and sit in the morning with this group of people, then go over to the conservatory where I was getting my graduate degree, do all my practicing and my classes come back and do a yoga class, and then in the evening do a meditation. So it was kind of like I was a, uh, what do you call it, like a resident, but you go out. Yeah. You know, you live somewhere else, but you're going there all the time. So I really, for eight years, got a full, full-on dose of, of Zen meditation, which is very different from what happened to me subsequently. Um, but that was a really, really good start. Um, so I'll just keep going because, you know, it just really tells um, when I finished that degree, um, I decided I wanted to move back to Seattle. I have now two kids in tow. And that's a whole story in itself, but I won't go into that. Um, so I decided to go back to Seattle um, to, you know, have nature, have more uh, room and let these kids roam in the backyard and in the mountains and in the water. Seattle's amazing amazing i mean beautiful nature there's there are lots of people doing meditation and these kinds of things out here so you know i got out here and the first thing that happens is somebody um another friend of a friend hires me to be the pianist for this group that is doing these um meditation sacred dances and i was just blown away i go in there and they put the music in front of me and I see them doing these, these meditation um, dances, but they're really complicated. And I didn't really understand what I, was, what I was in for here, but I was playing this gorgeous, like, Central Asian, beautiful music. And I asked the teacher afterward, what are these things? And he said, you know, it's really to synthesize um, our three centers, like our thinking and our emotions and our body. And we have a lot of things locked in our body that through movement and intentional movement and non-habitual movement will bring about a kind of awareness. And of course, I was just, I was blown away. You know, I, I said, oh my gosh, I want to be in this group. I don't, I not only want to be the pianist. And there was sort of the, the, the coming together of dance, of meditation, of music of all these things that I had been practicing and using. And so, and it was this new method and I had never heard of these methods. And so, you know, I, I was in that group for a good 10, 12 years. And then I started teaching it with the teacher and I went all around the world learning these movements, um, you know, that were being practiced. Um, they are the movements of Gurdjieff. But this teacher that I had here was, uh, he had really a, a kind of a, um, what you call a twisted hairs tradition, which he drew from lots of different traditions all mixed up into one, you know. So these were, it was just fascinating. And it turned my world from pretty much black and white to color. Wow. I want to join <laughs> that group. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, now it's, you know, now I... Um, am the teacher in a group like this. And we do uh, retreats four times a year where we do these movements and we do a really different kind of meditation practice. It's, it's, you know, we even do practical work. I know you've heard of that in meditation schools where they, they do gardening and you want to be mindful while you're doing other things like the dishes or, um, you know, just, sort of more mundane, repetitive movement type things. And we got out there, we've built roofs, we've, 
we've redone gardens, we've painted, we do things like that during our retreats because it's really putting people in an environment where they can learn how to do mindfulness practices when they go back home. So it's not just sitting and sitting and sitting. Yeah. Which I think like, what about when I know Lindsay, my girlfriend, she does things like that too. Um, and, and I was completely unaware when I first started mindfulness that you could do these different types. You know, you didn't just have to sit there with your eyes closed and it's fascinating to me. Like it, it like opens up a whole nother ballpark almost. Oh, it really does because the meditation practice is important and you know, we, it really changes life. It changes your productivity. It changes your anxiety levels and so many things. And just learning how to sit still because it'll bring up that monkey mind. And that's an important practice to do because that monkey mind is going to be there. Um, but what you're doing is really strengthening a focus muscle. And, and, you know, I teach a lot of meditation that is sort of a guided meditation exercise. And so you follow that track. And if you're, if you go off on a tangent with your thinking, you simply just bring yourself back to the task at hand and keep going through because, um, you know, like meditation on the absolute where you just keep going back to your breath. Um, yeah. that's pretty hard that, and it's really hard for beginners. It's, it's just a really hard thing because you start, you get so frustrated because your mind is going wild. If not, your body is sore or whatever, you know, it's just, it takes time to learn how, um, to strengthen this attention. So, you know, if you can do it without an expectation or, you know, attachment to results and you just accept the way things are that, Oh, there it goes again. Um, there's, there goes that silly thinking down the rabbit hole. And then you just bring it back and go, okay, now I'm doing this. Now I'm doing this. And after a while that, that starts to calm down. It's still there, but you don't attach to it. And there's a point after, you know, many, many years of meditating, you know, I would have these moments of utter stillness and I would go, Oh my God. Oh my gosh. You know, it's still, and the moment I tried to grab onto it, it went away, (laughs) you know, because it was like this, this ego will just grab onto it and go, Oh great. Look at this. Oh, something's happening. So, you know, if we can get away from wanting things to improve or get better or change and just observe it. And, and when that moment of stillness comes, you're going to have more and more moments of stillness where you kind of, it's like the thoughts are all up where all the big waves are, but you've ducked your head down under all those roaring waves about three feet under. Yeah. You know, in the water where, where you can feel it rumbling on top, but you're kind of still and it's, and it's really peaceful. It's like the greatest feeling in the world when you get to that point, because I honestly, every time you, I meditate, you know, a lot of times I'm very distracted and, and it helps, but I stay pretty distracted. And even if I bring it back to my breath, um, it just happens. But then you randomly hit these times where it is like, you know, Nirvana, when you're sitting there and or whatever you may be doing when you're meditating, you do hit this point that's just, it's kind of hard to even put into words how much unbelievable so. it is. Very much so. And, you know, it's like if you can get to the point where you're dipping into that on a daily basis, boy, the things that happen during the day just kind of ripple off your back. You don't have the reaction and you start to have empathy. For, for people and situations in your own situation, you kind of stop beating yourself up because you're, you're dipping into this well of stillness that fills you up with a sort of a higher vibration of energy. And so you're able to um, deal with life in, in, a, in a much easier way. I mean, that's one of the real benefits of that sitting kind of meditation and you do get better the more you do it and the stress just is like obsolete i mean, I, 
I use it so much. And in, in this year, 2015, I've decided that it's going to be my year of, of not letting things bother me, you know, less yeah. stress. And I, I made a huge amount of progress last year from the middle of the year to the end of the year because I did start meditating. But now I want to take it to a whole new level. So I know that you are brilliant with your mindfulness techniques. Do you want to share uh, some of these techniques with us? Sure. I mean, um, one of the things that was so eye-opening with this second kind of type of meditation and mindfulness awareness techniques that I learned was that, you know, you don't have to just do the sitting on the pillow. And that's why there were retreats structured where we'd be doing this kind of practical work. And um, I noticed that we would get so much done. And um, part of the thing that you have to start with is really um, understanding what where your attention is. And one of the first things I teach my students now is get an external cue. Like one of the women in this past course we just did said, okay, I'm going to do a red mini. And there's tons of minis out here on the West Coast. So every time she saw a red mini, she all of a sudden, you know, she would remember, oh, here I am. And it was such a contrast to... <laughs> You know, being a sort of a, you know, how you can be in the car and you're, you're going off somewhere. You're not telling yourself, oh, now turn here. Oh, go there. It's on automatic pilot. And your thinking is just going a mile a minute, right? Yeah. You're not, you're not exactly there. And we really live in our thinking. So the first thing is to get an external cue. So every time you see it, you, you, you wake up if you can remember it, you know, it, after a while it starts to be. Uh, an associative thing where when you see that, oh yeah, you remember. You know, my my thing way back when was a yellow car, and when I saw school bus, you know, it was like, whoa, that's a hundred points right there. <laughs> and, you know, but I still have it. I still, when I see a school bus, I still say, oh, thank you, I'm right here. And um, and after a while, you may start to see that there isn't so much contrast that maybe you were here. And, and aware of your awareness and see the red many and go, yeah, I'm here. And now I see the difference. So that's, you know, having an external cue. That's brilliant. Then, I've never heard that before. Yeah. And this is just the beginning. I mean, yeah. this is just to develop an, an attention. And another one that we do a couple of weeks later, I give to people is, okay, take a time when you're in a transition, like um, you're going from your home to get into the car or you're going from your home and you're waiting for the bus or you're getting into the bus or you're getting into the car, you know, just a place of transition. You're walking out of a meeting and stop for just one, two, three. And that starts to be, um, another wake up. And you can even take that to another degree where you have to be still for one minute and boy, you feel the pressure of time, especially if you're in a hurry and you're, you're late somewhere and you go, oh my gosh, I'm not going to do this. But you sit there and make yourself wait for one minute before you turn on the ignition and something you start to realize a lot of things about yourself and your inner process and what's going on. And it's it's not to fix anything. It's just to see. So, you know, your, your awareness starts to get expanded with a lot of these different types of attention exercises. And as you start to get more aware, um, you, 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 you can have an expanded awareness. And this is not like um, uh, multitasking. It's not that at all. It's there's a, there's so much attention to be had. And if you can, for example, um, have your mind on something, but also become aware of sensation in your body. Yeah. Like say, say right now, as we're talking, you bring sensation to your right foot. Hey, well, that was really weird. Cause I just started wiggling my right foot. <laughs> Aha. And, and you know, it's not thinking about your right foot, but it's really, can you do these two things at once? Can I sit here and talk to you, but I have this full-on awareness of like this tingling, alive, um, cellular, physical foot of mine. Mm -hmm. And 
this can become a full body sensation, um, you know, as you get more advanced. But what that's doing is expanding your awareness and it can lead to an awareness of what your emotions are doing, what your how your body is involved and how we mostly live in our thinking. And it can kind of get you out of that thinking. So you start to take in way more than just your habitual way of looking at things. And this can be, this is life changing. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you know, people are not used to hearing this, but it is life changing. Once you start doing this, and I'll give you an example of somebody who got a little further down the line and she, she came back because we always come back and, and talk about, you know, our observations, what happened to us in this moment of awakening. And it's not really analysis or trying to change anything. It's just trying to be objective. And that's kind of like trying to look at your eyeballs, right? Yeah. It's, it's really hard. And she came back and she said, you know, I was sitting there uh, drinking a cup of tea and thinking about doing this, um, you know, Zumba course or something. And, you know, she's got these body problems. And then she all of a sudden not only heard this voice in her and says, oh, you're so stupid. You're so, you can't do that. You're not in shape. You know, everybody's going to think you're crazy. You know, all that inner talk we hear. But more than just hearing it, she felt it. And it, and it kind of tapped in to something else. And as she had this awareness of it, she didn't try and change it. She just sat with it and watched it. And somehow it just dissipated. And that is when she realized what this practice was. Yeah. How powerful. Very powerful. The damn shut down the reptile gremlins. Right. Exactly. And, you know, it's our ego will get a hold of it and say, oh, yeah, I'm doing all this great work. Look, I, you know, I, I shouldn't react in an angry, angry way. Um, I should be better. And then you try and change it. But that's not it. It's just to watch the anger kind of like cook in it and observe things about it instead of trying to shut it down. And I'm not saying, you know, go punch your neighbor, (laughs) you know, or kind of act out. But if you can kind of on the inside, sit with it and watch it a little bit, you're going to learn a lot more than trying to either suppress it or trying to um, kind of, you know, get this positive thing that, it's only going to mask over it. It's still, you're not getting down to the kind of the seed of the wart. <laughs> so magical. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it was, I'm still kind of a little bit freaked out that you said, you know, you started talking about body sensations. I started wiggling my foot and thinking about it. And then you mentioned the right foot. By right. <laughs> I'm not surprised about that. I mean, sometimes I'm having these, you know, psychic experiences through Skype and I go, how is that happening? But you know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Yeah, but so so those are kind of some of the um, some of the practices. It's just I'm just scratching the surface because there is so much to this kind of teaching, and you know, in a present moment or in stillness is when we really um, kind of put a drop in our bucket of consciousness. Yeah. And as that bucket fills up, you get stronger and stronger, and as you get stronger with all this things can really change on a permanent basis. And that's where we want to get, you know, not where we're having to, you know, we're really, you can live without this kind of, you know, emotional reaction or without anxiety or without waking up in the middle of the night and going, Oh no, I've got this and this and this, and how am I going to do this? I used to do that all the time or, you know, just be horrifically frightened to walk out on stage. Yeah. You know, because I was in a state of, you know, what kind of call identifications, like what are people going to think of me? What, and that's what makes you nervous. It's your ego that makes you nervous. So how has your piano career changed since you started implementing mindfulness? Well, I was able to start to play in a way that I could really be there. I had way less mistakes. Yeah. I had much more presence. And so I could, I could reach my audience and, and it would be really a a much better performance. I also 
could more efficiently learn something in a lot less time with a lot more ease. And, you know, I just would look at that, not with the big goal in mind, I'm going to play this huge, you know, Mephisto waltz of, of list, but I would say, let me nail this, these couple of measures today. Let me see what's the, how does it work? What is it supposed to sound like? Why can't I play it fast enough? And it was just this conglomeration of tiny little bites that became the big work over time. And, you know, you, you can't be attached to results when you do things like I, you know, I blog every day and I just, there's something in me that now is able to just sit down and do it, whether I do a good writing or not, or whether, and I sit down and practice whether I, I, I want to or not. But once I do it, something starts happening. And there's sometimes a struggle in me that says, I don't feel like doing this. But I have enough of that strength of attention and awareness and my will force so that I go, yeah, I can, I can just go do it. Whether I hear myself saying, no, I don't want to do this. And I just walk myself over to that piano, sit down and start doing a few things. And then I'm lost in it. Yeah. That's such an amazing point to make too, because I think that daily habits that you can get into. I honestly am a true believer that we become what we think about and the vision that you think about where you want to be, who you want to be, you will become that person, whether it's negative or positive, whether it's who you want to be or not. Uh, it's whatever you're thinking about, you're going to become that person. And I think these habits, you know, you, you're writing every single day. I'm sure at first it was a little bit more difficult, but once you get in that groove, it's so much easier. And I've established the same kind of techniques in the morning where I wake up and I meditate and I read and I write and I exercise. And after a certain amount of time, that becomes part of you. And you no longer have to really think about it. It it kind of becomes like a subconscious state that you have. And it's like the most majestic thing ever. And, And you cap it back off with another mindfulness session. And it's like, whoa, whoa. Yeah, that's really, that's really right. And you can amaze yourself at what you can do. I mean, I have people often ask me, you know, how did you do this? You wrote a book, you produced a CD this year, you've taken on you know, global clients one-on-one through Skype, you teach two meditation groups, you teach piano students. I mean, I do a lot of teaching and really I've been a student. I'm a good student and I'm a good teacher, but I just say, you know, I just take the one little micro thing and I've gotten myself into a rhythm and you kind of feel funny when you get out of the rhythm. Yeah. But how does one start that rhythm? You know, if you're just beginning, you can fall off the wagon so easily, you know, I mean, you, you try to make it so hard to establish it. It it is. But so, you know, you have to know, it's not going to be perfect. It's not always going to feel right. You don't have to make progress. You just have to physically put on the Lululemons and walk out the door. Yeah. 100%. You know? One foot forward. <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. putting on my Lululemons every day. <laughs> 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 Got to do it. <laughs> and I mean, I think that's like, it's, it's just so true. Like 100%. You. you it's just a matter of doing it. And, and at first it's hard. And I mean, even to establish any type of habit, it's, it's extremely hard, but I think the one big thing that can really help somebody get there faster is definitely learning mindfulness and meditation. I do too. But part of that, you know, is doing the meditation on a pretty regular basis. And yes, you're going to fail. And yes, you're not going to do it for a couple of days, but hopefully if you can do it for about 10 days in the beginning, you're going to feel a difference. And that contrast is what is going to show you, oh, yeah, I should get back on it and not say, oh, you know, I've just failed. I can't do this. You know, I really our ego is just so it'll just beat us up. And, you know, it's either all black and white or success or fail or and life really isn't like that. And it's all a process. It's a it's a journey. And. You know, I used to laugh at people when they say, oh, you know, you're supposed to enjoy the journey. And I'd say, what are you talking about? I'm trying to get to the goal and the journey (laughs) isn't fun. And, you know, oh, you know, I don't go for that. But, you know, now after all this time, I just realize, okay, I'm not perfect. I didn't do it today. 
I get another chance. It's like, you know, every breath I take, I get another breath to be conscious about it. And if I can't be conscious on that one, guess what? I get another one a second later. Yeah. 100%. So we just, you know, get right back on the horse. So, yeah, I could talk, I could listen to you talk all day, Molly. <laughs> well, I mean, I do, when I do public speaking, I mean, it's, that's a lot easier for me. I don't get nervous like I do for playing the piano. Yeah. You know, so there's so much to talk about, about this subject. And, you know, for all the creative people out there, you know, trying to do business and, um, you know, mindfulness is a way to do everything, no matter if you're creative or not. But, you know, being creative is contributing to our planet. And we're really taught, oh, you've got to go out and do making the money. And we've got this idea that we can't make money being creative anymore. And, you know, the the standards of society are what, what people deem um, necessary. And, you know, that's why I love what you're doing because you're interviewing people who are making creativity their business and their lives. And we need to teach children this. It, yeah. it enriches our life so much. Absolutely. I think it's one of the most important things in a child that ever is, is their development through creativity. And when you strip them of that, that's when you end up, you know, working a nine to five in a cubicle and having no, having no real aspirations in life, not leaving your small town that you were born in and never seeing the world and seeing what's possible out there. But really you just got to get out there and fist pump and do the jive and do the boogie woogie and go to your neighbor's house and give them a high five and pull their pants down and run around. <laughs> outside. You know, yeah. Do something crazy. Oh yeah. I mean, taking risks. And I think we're encouraged not to take risks. We're encouraged not to fail. And we're encouraged to, um, kind of develop that left side of our brain and we need both. We really, really need time and space. Um, you know, part of the things in my ebook that I, that I, um, wrote is in the first thing in the morning, I lay there for a minute and say everything that I am grateful for. And really, if you can do that for about 17 seconds, that kind of changes the vibration of what you're doing and you will then attract more of that. And then I don't touch technology for yeah. a little bit because I, you can get sucked into it and it's just all of this frantic. So we need, we need that stillness and we need to express our heart through art. Yeah. I, I do the exact same thing when I wake up and I, I literally, write down things that I'm grateful for in a journal. And there's actually an app you can use if you're more of an app person. I used to use it, but I find paper better for me. And it's called the five minute journal. Oh yeah. I've and heard of that. Yeah. It's pretty cool. You, you put the stuff that you're grateful for and you put in your like two main goals for the day. And then at the end of the day, it comes back and gives you a reminder and you write down what you accomplished and um, your affirmations and, and what you could have done better. And it's like, you can take pictures and put them on there as well. And it's, it's a pretty awesome way, just a very simple way to track that. And you can go back and look at all the different things that you wanted to do and what you did accomplish over the last, you know, months and on yeah. the calendar. And I think that's yeah. huge. I mean, I think literally even speaking out loud to yourself, what you would, you know, if you want to write a book, you know, speaking it out loud, putting it on a vision board, convincing yourself, you know, if you want to, if you want to be a best-selling author, literally saying, you know, I'm a best-selling author over and over again, uh, whether people are staring at you funny or not, if they're around or not, just give them a high five. And I think yeah. that doing that, you're, you're really honestly training your brain to actually believe it and you can get there easily, just like anything else in life. Right. I couldn't agree more. I mean, I would sit there and say, I'm a great pianist. I'm a great pianist. When on the inside, just the complete opposite was going on when in fact, I really was a great pianist and am a great pianist, but there's this whole disjunct inside uh, there was, you know, and once those two things start to meet up and reality meets up with, um, you know, what you didn't think was reality and you do change and you do see that you're a great writer or a best-selling author. Um, 
then it just fills your bucket even more and you're able to do even more. Yeah. It's, it's so exciting. Um, and I, I, I do think technology is great for things like this app you're talking about and tracking things because then we, we do see, um, you know, so I'm not totally against technology, but I, I do think we need to be careful with, you know, getting sidetracked. Getting sucked in and distracted forever. Yeah, because it's creating, you know, ADD brains for all of us. Yeah. I actually just um, recently, a couple of weeks ago, I actually got rid of Facebook and it, it's been the most amazing thing and I haven't missed it one bit. There hasn't been yeah. one minute since I got rid of it that I literally was like, oh, I wish I was on Facebook. Right. And I stress people to think about like, when was the last time you were on that platform and and something amazing happened in your life, like through that platform. I mean, I understand that it's a great thing for some people and they use it to track family and pictures and that's okay. But for me personally, it wasn't working and it was just a distraction. So I, I, uh, you know, gave it the ax and it's been amazing. It frees up so much time and the distractions are gone and I don't have to look at all that. That is, there are so many distractions now in life, you know, for, for us as adults and kids. And we have to be, really mindful about our choices and because it's even harder now than before. And yes, technology is great for a lot of things. We can really use it to connect or, um, to do the things that it's really great for. But, um, you know, if there wasn't technology, we can distract ourselves with other things too, (laughs) you know, so that it's, it's, it just seems a little bit harder nowadays. (laughs) Yeah, there's there's distractions everywhere, which is why I'm a big fan of minimal living, simplifying. Uh, I've actually gone through a, a a big transition lately where I've been getting rid of, you know, lots of my material belongings that really I didn't need around anyways. And ever since doing that, you know, you start to realize that as you eliminate these distractions, your focus gets more on clarity, and and, and as you build clarity, you start to realize that. There's all these amazing things in life that you would have normally not thought about and you can focus on them. And then that's when you start to, to honestly become that person that you really want to be because you're not being distracted and the clarity is there. And it's like, Oh, it's like a whole new world. So, so gratifying. It's the most gratifying thing ever. I agree. Simplicity is everything. Yeah. And I mean, I'm not saying that everybody has to go out and like, you know, throw everything away and sit on the floor and you know, live in poverty. But no, no. Just, when, just, you, when you declutter, actually more money comes in. Yeah. And it's because it, you have so much less that you have to spend money on and maintain and time. and Right. Right. You just get rid of all that clutter and you, you know, money is energy too. And you just get rid of all the declutter that starts flowing in better as well. I think uh, I've, I've found that myself and it's, gosh, it feels great to get rid of stuff. (laughs) I know I have a rule where if I, if I buy something now then I get rid of something else, but when you like, when you have less stuff, you literally have less distractions. And when you have less distractions around that, that leads to 100% more awareness. And obviously if you're, if you're more aware and you're paying more attention to things in life that matter the most, like, you know, relationships, family relationships and uh, engaging in higher levels of creativity, which can lead to all sorts of life changing things. So it's like you can, you you start to combine the engagement of the strong relationships with the high levels of creativity. And then you're obviously going to continuously open up new doors that lead directly to clarity and meaning in life. And when you live your life with clear intent, you can, undoubtedly discovered that the pursuit of happiness that you dream of is pretty much not only possible, it's, it's guaranteed, you know, it's absolute. Uh, Yes, indeed. I couldn't agree more, you know, this pursuit of happiness and what is it that really makes us happy and, um, you know, sort of seeing into the illusion. That's, that's part of all the meditation and mindfulness and, and art and everything is, is where are we, what are we really living and can we, can we see the kinds of illusions that we're caught up in um, and, and get out from under it? Because we can. We really can. And then we have choice. We, have, we can directly choose and sort of co-create our destiny instead of being victims of fate. Yes. All right. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> awesome. We'll have to quote that 
and and throw it around on the interwebs, on the social medias, on a quote image or something. That'd be great. Cool. Yeah. So, Molly, can you tell us a little bit about the Awareness School and and what you're doing there? If any of any out there might be interested, because um, I I know that you've you've started to create this and and it sounds pretty awesome. So, right. Well, this is the Awareness School has been going on for um, about. 15 years, but it's been a very local here in Seattle, me working with a, started with a group on Monday night in my living room. (laughs) And, you know, um, it has just blossomed and I'm welcoming people from all over the world really to come and experience these kinds of practices, these sacred dances and learn how to sit on the cushion. And, you know, when you're working in a group, um, there's an accelerated transformation because everyone's in there with their intention and their, their work and it affects everybody else. So, um, that's part of what the awareness school is. So we're having different retreats. We've got one coming up next weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I'm trying to make it so that people can come in and see what this work is like. And I, I run a regular session but also um, a regular two sessions uh, here in Seattle. But I'm also teaching people one-on-one through Skype, no matter where they are in the world, and kind of doing mentoring packages so they can get on track. And um, we, we have a, uh, an online group that sort of gives in their self-observations as well. And so we can get together that way and then they can come to a longer retreat in the summer or, you know, planning ahead and, and coming and doing it with actual people. <laughs> How amazing. And I, I, I've always wanted to go on like a retreat of some sort, yoga, awareness, mindfulness. And I know Lindsay's, she's obviously planning on once she gets her license to teach yoga, definitely uh, attending lots of those retreats to try to learn from others like yourself. Oh, well, you'll have to, you both will have to come out in um, the summer, which is July 14th through the 21st on Whidbey Island. And we have this beautiful place that we um, rent and it, it's, it's a wonderful retreat meditation center uh, up there on Whidbey Island. And um, it's just gorgeous surroundings. So you can't beat that. So it's a good destination as well. Whidbey, like W-H-I-D-B-E-Y, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So that's where we're holding our retreats for now. But then we won't want to leave. Well, <laughs> plan a little vacation, you know, a week after. I don't, go yeah. Around, go up in the Olympic Mountains or go hiking in the Cascades or, you know, sightseeing around here up in the San Juan Islands. It is heaven. Yeah, you know, it is. We don't tell people about how much it doesn't rain here in the summer. <laughs> Don't I love, we were up there, we were up there, um, I want to say two, two summers ago, not last summer, but two summers ago. And it was amazing. I mean, like fell in love with it, obviously immediately realized that we needed to live there and are totally looking forward to coming out that direction, uh, in Portland or Seattle and just that whole area, Klamath Falls, like we're mountain people and we're lake people and you know, the big trees, you can't yeah. beat it. The no, fresh, and the air. Oh my gosh, the air is so fresh. Right. Because of all the moisture. I mean, really, literally, we're living in a rainforest out here. And yeah. it is, you know, that changes the negative ions. And it's just a great place to have um, this meditation school and do retreats up here because people are going to want to come. Um, you know, now I won't be as opposed in the future if we have a, a bigger compound and, you know, I don't know, some sunny, sunny place. That's also very nice. That's, that's in the future. Yeah. Well, I mean, I personally like the selection that you made, but there's always destinations you can go to too as well, right? Well, exactly. I mean, that's the, the big goal is really to set up something where we are residential on a big piece of property and can have people come for even a month or two. Yeah. And, really slow down and really get the teaching and experience that. I mean, imagine if you could, you know, if you can take a month off 
to come and do this meditation school for a month. How amazing. Yeah. So that's the, that's the big plan is to have, um, you know, a beautiful place and offer this to people from, you know, all over the world. And they will flock in one at a time <laughs> and it will become a reality and everybody will be merry and joyous. Yes. Yeah. And we'll have music there too. Yes. You know, Live there'll music. be, there'll be music performances and. Oh, you, know, you, you better be slaying the piano as well, right? Absolutely. I mean, that'll be part of the thing where, you know, there'll be a music hall where there'll be concerts and, you know, people yeah, can and, and learn their meditation mindfulness and people like, you know, Keith Jarrett can, can play a little concert while he's there. <laughs> yeah. And we haven't even like hit on this very much in this interview, but everybody needs to understand how brilliant of a piano player Molly is. And I highly suggest you check her stuff out. And she's got an album, a new album out called French and an older one called the art of dance, which is the one that we, um, timely fell asleep to last night. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, it's, it's amazing piano works. There's some videos on YouTube I watched and wow, you know, like I can't even like see your fingers moving. It's blowing my mind. So you definitely have the natural talent and I love it. And for anybody out there, like for, for you, this is a good one. Anybody out there who's looking to take on a career playing the piano, for instance, because we do have musicians who listen. Mm-hmm. What what kind of advice would you give them as far as like getting over their fear and and doing it and maybe trying to do that not necessarily as a full-time living but maybe just as a living on the side of their job or anything in general that that can get them over a hump of of being scared and not believing in themselves. Right. Well, I think first of all, you know, if they've got a regular practice and they're really wanting to be musicians in whatever capacity, non-professional or professional, they have to set up some things where they, they've, they've got a goal and a, a date where they're going to do some kind of performance, whether it's for family or um, uh, out in public, and to, because you'll get ready faster if you have something like that. You know, putting yourself out there. And even if you don't like performing and then, um, go ahead and do it. And when you see what it makes you feel like, you know, you mess up in places where you thought you weren't going to mess up, you know, it just, it's just experience. It takes time to learn how to perform. And, um, you know, some people are better at it than others and they just, they really don't care what people think, but it is getting over what people think. Yeah. You know, and you so can do I, that with mindfulness. Well, you can, but I mean, even even music is a kind of mindfulness. You know, that kind of intense focus that you need to have, at where you're. I'm having to know exactly where my fingers are going, and if I get too lost emotionally in it, they will mess up. I have to have. You know, I know what m- my fingers are doing. My body knows what my fingers are doing, kind of on automatic pilot. And I've got to feel at the same time. So it is this wonderful activity that requires all faculties, my mind, my emotions, my body, you know, my coordination. And that is a thing in itself that will build mindfulness. So for all you musicians out there, you know, you're doing it just by learning to play and, and, and playing for people whether it's informally or formally, you, you keep, you keep doing it. It, it's a refined, um, art form. Yeah. I mean, music is like a therapy to me. Oh, me too. I, I mean, mean, that's what I'm saying. As a kid, it was, I found heaven on earth. Yeah. I mean, you know? I didn't have the natural talent. I'm sure that if I would have practiced more and stuck to it more, I would be a lot better than I am. But I still never gave up on it. And, and just recently, I decided that I was going to play, you know, 20, 30 minutes a day. And that has made such a big difference just in like a period of a month, you know? It's oh, crazy. Yeah. It's never too late. It yeah. doesn't matter how old you are. And you, I hear that all the time. Oh, I wish I had kept practicing. I wish I had kept going. Well, do it now. What is stopping you? You know, if you've got a guitar, you've got a piano, and you wanted to be a musician. This is the most fulfilling thing, and it teaches you discipline. It does teach you mindfulness, and it 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 will give you infinite return. 
on your effort. And there's nothing quite like just creating something and bringing it into the world, you know? Yes. I knew that's like my CDs. I always feel like I've birthed a baby. <laughs> I mean, it. I mean, it's like, get it all right. Get all the things, you know, get it right before you go into the studio. And, uh, you know, it's never good enough in some ways. And then you listen back and you say, geez, is that me? It sounds fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I mean, you are, you're bringing something into the world and it is like that, you know? Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, and this this last CD is really dear to my heart because it's lots of music I listened to while I was in France, while I was in Paris, you know, Paris in in your 20s. Oh my gosh, you know. It it was quite a life. Yeah. I bet. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. A lot of influences, a lot of art everywhere and the music just that French music is my favorite. Oh, gives me chills. Well, you're going to like that CD. Yeah, I'm sure I will. French. French. If, well, Molly, I, I, I hate that we're running out of time here, but I've absolutely just been thrilled to have you on. You've been such an amazing guest, and I've learned so, so, so much. It's been crazy. I mean, you've got me hooked in and pumped up to just get even more in-depth with mindfulness and awareness, and I hope everybody out there has enjoyed it as much as I do, but... Before I let you go, I have to ask you, if you had to battle Godzilla, Molly, how would you use your creativity or talents to defeat that big, crazy bastard? <laughs> you know, that's kind of like looking at the big, crazy bastard within <laughs> ourselves. Yeah. You know, it's like the Godzilla within ourselves. And I feel like I've been on a journey my whole life to emancipate, emancipate myself from, you know, yeah. Godzilla. So, you know, I, I take, I would take that monster right in front of me and with no fear, you know, with, with Zen force and with samurai strength, defeat the foe. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I don't know if that's a method, but you know, it's just, be there right in front of it. No fear. Head on. Yeah. Head on. Head on. I think it's the perfect method. <laughs> Incredible. So <laughs> awesome. Well, Molly, do you have a place where our listeners can find you or get in contact with you? Or I know you have that amazing ebook that I downloaded last night that uh, I, I sent over to Lindsay as well that I think that everybody should definitely check out and I can't remember the main title, but I know it was Master the Art of Choice and Co-Create Your Destiny, something right. along those lines. Right. It's it's the abundance mindset. Yeah, the abundance mindset. That's and, right. you know, exactly. And it's free. It's free so for thank now. thank you for putting that up there. Yep, it's free for now. So that is on Molly Knight Ford, and that's Ford with an E, dot com. And then the other site that is... You know, it's not as fancy a site. It'll get redone eventually. But the Awareness School is a much more esoteric teaching. The articles are much more esoteric. But that gives our schedule of when we're having the retreats and the the classes for people who are more local, but also for people all around the world to come to those retreats. We've got it all listed there. So that's awarenessschool.com. And you can really find everything on Molly Knight Ford with an E.com. Awesome. And I will put that in the show notes at artsynow.com forward slash Molly Knight Ford. I guess I'll use all three names in the slide. Yeah, you should. Yeah. I'll give you the brand. And and we can um, totally have everything that you listed in the interview posted on there as well. So everybody check that out. Get super funky and uh, do you have any closing advice that you'd like to give our listeners or maybe favorite quotes or anything like that? Mm. You know, I, I, there's so many different things I could say, but I want to say take risks. I wish I had taken more risks early on. And, and you realize, oh, it's not that big a deal once you've taken the risk. It's kind of the unknown, a fear of the unknown. And once you get in there and do it, you see, wow, what was I afraid of? So take action and take risks. Yeah, with, a, <laughs> with an iron fist. Yeah. 
I mean, and I, thanks, thank you so, so much, Heath, for, for having me on the show. It's a great thing that you're doing. Oh, you're so very welcome. And maybe we'll have you on again in the future since it's been such a delight. And honestly, everybody out there, literally break the rules. But first, make sure you break the rulers. I mean, I live by that. And, and always remember that, you know, every every day is 100% a bonus round. So just slow down and, and enjoy something beautiful. Don't let the stress bother you. Defeat your inner Godzilla, right? <laughs> Defeat your inner Godzilla. Yes. I hear you, brother. <laughs> and, and just discover your inner champion and make sure that you can learn from other people all around the world because it's amazing. And everybody has something that they want to teach. And Molly, yeah. thank you for being on the show and, and teaching all these wonderful things to us. I've really appreciated it. And I'm so humbled to have had you on. And if if you do anything, make sure you keep in touch about this uh, this retreat in the summer. And we need to come out there. And then I'll just make sure we find a place and, and never leave because sounds that's where great. we need to be. That's where yeah. we belong. Oh, it sounds great. I look forward to meeting you in person. Thank you so much for having me. And uh you know, we all need each other. Yeah, we all need each other. And Molly, thank you so much for being the Archapreneur now. And always <laughs> remember to keep it funky. All right. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Archapreneur Now. For all the show notes, it's artsynow.com. If you want to be a guest on the show, email me at create at artsynow.com or on Twitter at HB underscore Armstrong. The music? Well, that's shaky feeling. Check them out. Ventura, California. Ta-ta! Keep it funky.